0: I think you just have to be humble here, all for having your political beliefs, being an American, you know, voting, doing what it is that is important to you and believing what it is that you believe. But you just have to be humble when it comes to investing because your political belief could be far removed from making a very good investing decision. Welcome to
1: Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions, and get educated about the financial world. It's time to Retire Smarter. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Retire Smarter. Great to be with you, Walter Storholt, here alongside Kevin Krosky president and wealth advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you in Northeast Ohio and Southwest Florida. Find the team online at truewealthdesign.com. And uh, we'll put lots of great information in the show notes section of today's episode so it's easy for you to get in touch, say hello, ask any questions
0: that might be on your mind.
1: Kevin, great to be with you this week. How things going for you, sir?
0: Walter, it is always my pleasure to be with you, my friend. Today, truth be told, today was a bit of a stressful day in the Krosky household. It was uh, the first day of school and uh, where last year was, you know, we had this little board and my daughter on the front stoop taking pictures of her first day of preschool, or excuse me, kindergarten, looking so cute. Um, today was Webex hell, as my wife would probably call it. <laughs> we- <laughs> and, Webex hell. Is that what oh, yeah. So it was, um. You know, it took a while to get going as to be expected. I mean, it was probably going to be a tough day and uh, I think it was tougher for my, for my wife and my daughter, but you know, I, I talked to my daughter, she just wrapped up with school about an hour or so ago and I just asked her how it went. So she, she was like, great. I really like my teacher and just had a you know nice chipper smile on her face. And earlier in the morning she had like crocodile tears coming up. So she finished on a positive note, but I'm sure there's all kinds of parents that are going through this and grandparents hearing about it, you know, through their kids and their grandkids. And uh, it's no doubt it's gonna be challenging for everybody, but I popped in and I was able to solve a a technical issue that my wife couldn't fix. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just really impressed with how my daughter was navigating around on the laptop and she's only six. She'll be seven here in a couple of weeks. And, She's going into WebEx and then out over into Google Chrome, into her teacher's classroom and bringing up different applications and navigating around. And she's six. I I, I get it. The kids are on iPads and things like that. But it was a lot more challenging than just kind of swiping or moving around on an iPad. And so I'm taken away. I'm like, look, you know, hey, she may not be in the classroom right now. And certainly there's some disadvantages to that. But she's really going to have you know, better computer skills than probably a lot of other kids that are out there so i think that's a big positive but you know it's i'm sure we'll have lots of ups and downs but we're starting at home at first and uh, there's a live teacher and it's just like a regular classroom for you know, 19 or 20 students uh, in our local school district with the teacher just teaching through webex and uh, just more so facilitated by uh, the moms and dads at home and uh, so today was a little bumpy, but. That's how we're starting out and then we'll see how it goes and you know once maybe you know we feel safe maybe we'll put her in school we just don't want her to be a guinea pig right now and we're fortunate that we don't have to we don't have to put her in so my wife is here at home and she's Believe me, probably about eleven o'clock. She's like, "Why, why the heck did I just send her to damn school? <laughs> why did we opt for this? We did this to ourselves." <laughs> so I was just trying to be as supportive and, and reassuring and problem-solving as I could be. And um, you got to so be the hero, through.
1: popping in and just fixing all the problems. So that must have felt good. <laughs>
0: Well, well, no, because it, lo- it was easy for me, and apparently my wife was trying to fix it for a while, and so the ease oh, with which I fixed worse. it, yes. It <laughs>
1: well, those things happen, that's all right. Uh, but no, it's great that you are uh, at least finding your way through the challenges that face us right now. And I have a feeling um, we've still got a few more curveballs left in the tank for 2020. Uh, you would oh, think yeah. we'd be out of them by now, but with that impending election coming up in November certainly there will be many more curveballs along the way and Kevin uh, threw me for a loop today folks and I said all right Kevin what are we talking about on the show today and he just left me with politics and that's that's all he gave me so <laughs> I said, all right, well, I'm looking forward to today's
0: episode. It's going to be great. And Walter's pause was really, what you really said with that pause was, are you sure you want sure? to do this?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, we we certainly, in no secret, have always, you know, we haven't talked much politics on, uh, on this show, that's for sure.
0: No, and for me personally, uh, frankly, I'm not a... I don't particularly care for politics, so it's not something that I like. I really like to talk about. I mean, I think they're just... <laughs> You're not like a BS. politics
1: junkie by, by no, means. No,
0: I don't like BS, and there's a lot of BS that goes on out there in the world, and it seems to coagulate pretty heavily within politics, and um, I just have a bit of a disdain for it. So, you know, I try to be informed because uh, our clients uh, and our prospective clients are asking questions about it. And some of it you know, matters to a certain degree and other parts don't, but you still have to be informed and just say it doesn't matter. I think you have to provide some context to it. And we're, we're starting to get a, an uptick of those questions being that we're coming here towards September and uh, going to be here at elections just a couple months away. So certainly things are quite heated at the moment I can't imagine that uh, you hear people saying well you know it's it's the worst as it's ever been I'm like well we had a civil war and we kind of were killing one another and we we're in the same country so it had to be pretty bad then but but I digress I suppose but but yes it's uh, people have a lot of beliefs and hey this is America have your beliefs that's great but I want to just kind of talk through in typical retire smarter form just talk through more about the evidence about really hate elections matter When it comes to investing, um, yes, no, maybe, why, why not, so on and so forth. So we'll we'll kind of walk through that today. I'm sure I'll offend both sides and and everybody in between, but I'll do my best to do it in an evidence-based way.
1: There we go. As long as that's the the driving force, then you're okay. I feel like we're going to answer or speak directly to that person on today's show, or at least answer their question, even if they weren't asking it, who says you know, I'm not into politics because whoever the president is doesn't ever really seem to affect me as in, you know, in an, on an individual basis. And I think a lot of us can probably identify with a little bit of that kind of feeling. But then there are others who certainly would point to who's in the White House, as one example, or elections as a whole, as being uh, you know, responsible for wholesale changes, even individually in their lives, making major differences. So as with anything, it kind of depends on your perspective. But it sounds like we'll at least dabble in answering some of that question today From a financial perspective.
0: Yeah. And the key overriding message is just keep your politics separate from your investing. I I can think back and, you know, we've been doing this for a while now. I've been doing this for a while and I've at least had a few different uh, presidents in office uh, while I've been, you know, working with our clients. And, you know, whenever Obama was in the office, I remember a lot of my more conservative uh, clients would just, you know, it just seemed like we had more conversations about, like, this issue or that issue. There was just a lot more concern. And then when Trump came in office, I think there's, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that there's a lot of people that like him, a lot of people that don't like him. He's, he's quite polarizing, for sure. Um, but I... <laughs> I remember some, you know, a few clients saying, yeah, it looks like it's time to go ahead and sell our U.S. dollars, buy Bitcoin and move to Canada. And <laughs> when Obama was in office, I remember a client telling me about how his good friend was, because the tax rates were sunsetting and the top tax bracket was going from 35%, which it was under George W. Uh, and it was going back to 39.6, which it was before and uh, he's like well he's closing down his business i'm like he's closing down his business over a less than a five percent increase in the tax rate <laughs> like come on there's got to be a business problem there. that's not a tax problem slight, but, uh, slight overreaction maybe yeah yeah i think that so i mean and i think that's what it gets to you know you really don't when you think of investing we've done a four-part episode about an investing process and no part in that process was let's get emotional, whether it's about this belief, that belief, politics, religion, um, your likes, your dislikes, or anything. It's more about an evidence-based approach, going through the process, you know, having a repeatable process, and as the inputs change, maybe the outputs change. And and really, that's what it should be. Whenever you're looking at anything as it relates to money, we've we've talked about this. I mean, I remember getting you know, studying to become a financial planner and just being attracted to coming into the profession and learning about money and helping people do more with it. You know, I think that's what a lot of people get drawn into It is about the investing or something along those lines. But then when you get here, uh, at least for me, I mean, You realize it's it's a heck of a lot more than that. It's not just about the technical competency, which is so important. You know, the planning, the investing, uh, taxes, you know, insurance, you name it, and then being able to pull it all together cohesively to strategy. That is incredibly important. But then you really have to be able to to help people see more clearly. Sometimes their thinking could be clouded like on things related to politics, or maybe things that they were taught about money uh, when they were growing up. Or behaviors you know that are related to money that aren't so productive, and you just realize that um, the qualitative side or the softer side is oftentimes just as, or potentially even more important than the technical competency. And in my view, we call it financial life planning, but to me that that term encompasses both parts. So. You know, you really do need to think rationally, but we're human, you know, <laughs> that's the great thing about us. You know, we're not just, you know, kind of rational you know, robots moving around. We have highs, we have lows, we have happiness, we have sadness. We have the rear part of our brain that has, you know, basically one uh, important thing to do and it's to keep us alive. <laughs> it's like, if you see a bear in the woods, you run. If you see a bear market, unfortunately it tells you to run when a lot of times you shouldn't. But you know, our minds are are, that's us, you know, our minds are there. Uh, The emotional part of our brain is faster than a rational part of our brain, and all this is kind of thrown into the melting pot whenever it comes to money and to investing. So one of the ways that I will try to at least in part prove what I'm saying here is just talk about some recent polls uh, from, it was Pew Research came out with this in January of 2020 before COVID just kind of smacked everybody upside the head, and at least for this part of the world anyway. And what they were looking at were just kind of the views of the economy. And they broke it down by whether the poll participants were Republican or Republican leaning independents. And then they looked at Democrats or Democratic leaning independents. And so in 2020, um, eighty-one percent of the Republican and the Republican leaning thought that the economy was doing great. What's interesting to me is if you just go back a few years to, say, November 2016, just before Trump won the election, Walter, you want to take any guess what the positive view percentage was for that group, the Republican and the Republican leaning?
1: I'm going to say very negative, very negative outlook.
0: Yeah. So if it was 81% thought it was positive and they had a positive view of the economy in in January 2020, only 18%, just flip the two numbers, only 18%. (laughs) in November of 2016. (laughs) So, man, did that change. It changed quite a bit. Now, if we go over to the blue side, and if we look in November 2016, 46% of the Democratic or Democratic-leaning independents thought the economy had a positive view of the economy. And somewhat interestingly, if you look in January 2020, it was lower uh, but it was only 39 percent. so you know where you go from 18 to 81 for republicans you go from 46 to 39 for democrats now i don't know what conclusion you draw from that maybe the republicans are more fickle maybe the democrats never got about 50 percent. maybe they're just pessimistic i don't know there we go i think maybe we offended both sides so <laughs> mission accomplished um but i think it proves the point particularly on the on the red side um that I mean, when you have that change going from 18 to 81, I mean, that's just a huge view. It's not like the world or our economy or the markets change so much and just kind of flip the switch going from 2016 to 2020. So I think when you look at that, you know, you can see how political beliefs really impact your perception on the economy. And if you think back, Walter, I know we've, we've talked about this a lot going through COVID and how the economy and the markets aren't the same thing and how the markets tend to lead the economy. So this poll is asking about the economy and it's not even getting into the markets, but yet people are still basing some investing decisions based off their political beliefs.
1: Good that you also uh, pulled that, that number before COVID happened, certainly as I'd be interested, do you happen to have the numbers for current? Have you seen any recent studies on that or is it more of a year by year kind of thing?
0: I poked around. I didn't see anything more current. I, I was looking for the same. I wanted something pre-COVID. Uh, just I, I figured everybody is probably a bit less optimistic about the economy at this point in time. It would seem to be a rational conclusion. I would expect there's probably a similar uh, disparity where you know the Republicans certainly are more positive than the Democrats for you know just because Trump is still there and some of the messaging and some of the news outlets that they pay attention to what have you. I mean, it's just, I think it's, you know, that's been proven over the last few years. I don't think that's going to fl- you know, the switch is not going to flip just because COVID, but maybe the, the total uh, optimism I, I would think would be a lot less than 81%. Yeah. I'd be interested to see if
1: the, uh, the democratic number, instead of being taken in January, being taken much closer to the, uh, you know, the date of the election, like the Republican number was originally, how much more it degrades, the closer you get to the election would be interesting to see,
0: yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting. so if we if we talk about those are perceptions of reality. And so we've all heard the phrasing, um, perception becomes reality. and it, and it can, to a certain extent. But again, I would say that a lot of what we just talked about is more on the emotional side. And not so much on the rational uh, side. I mean, you don't go from 18 to 81 in a couple of years just because, you know, the White House occupancy has changed to your party. I mean, that's what happened, but it's not like the world or the economy, in my view, changes, you know, that much. Uh, To me, going from an 18 to 81 is like going from communist country to capitalist country or something like that, not just, you know, kind of blue to red sort of thing but that's me. Uh, so everybody's got their own opinion, but I have the microphone right now, right? <laughs> you have the power. Well, technically I have the power. I can hit the mute button. But. Yes, you do. Yes. You do. <laughs> so if we get into the investing implications now, so we talked about perception or reality and how our, our perceptions may inform, uh, what we believe to be our reality or reality, I should say. Um, but when we get into the investment implications, so, you know, when we're talking about the investments, we're just focused not on like bond or fixed income investments, but just investing in, in companies, you know, owning stock, uh, owning stock-based mutual funds, what have you. So not only are you, when people are asking us like, Hey, you know, maybe we should make a portfolio change because of the election. I'm like, well, well, what about the election exactly? Well, you know, and again, it kind of depends on, you know, kind of who you're talking to, whether they're, you know blue or red or, or some some shade of uh, of it but i'll just have a conversation with them and say well okay you know what are you concerned about and let's just suppose that i'm um, talking with a conservative client who's concerned about you know biden becoming president and they'll say well you know hey biden might win i'm like okay well what are the current polls showing like it's showing that Biden might win i'm like that's right so that's common information you know that right yes And then I'm like, well, anytime you turn on the 24-7 news media, basically you're seeing that. So all that information is already baked into all of our minds to varying degrees. And once it's baked in, it's influencing us on how on all the buy and sell decisions that we're making today. So said another way, that information is out there, it's public, and it's already in the price. It's already factored in. It's not like, I mean, if you pay attention to this stuff, I mean the Biden tax plan came out you know not too long ago we commented about it in our last podcast talking about why Roth conversions can be so good this year. And yeah, I mean he's talking about raising taxes and raising them sooner both on corporations as well as individuals. And that is going to harm at least to a certain extent the economy. It's going to take money out of people's pockets, out of corporations and it's going to go more to the government. So at least in the short term, you know, that's kind of the effect. But that information too is already commonly known, so it's it's out there. It's not like it's a big secret. It's not like you know you have some sort of you know here's the dark web to the political information, and you got to press these certain buttons on your keyboard, and then you can get these this poll information. No, every time you turn on any of this cable news media, I mean, you see it, and it's there, and we know it, and it's already in the price, and. So not only are the election results there, but you have some indication on what the policies are going to be, but you also don't know what the actual election results are going to be or the actual policies then implemented by the elected president are going to be or if the Senate is going to flip and you know if everything's going to be blue or or whatever the case may be. So you don't know any of this. And then if you don't know that you also don't know. And here, here's kind of the rub, but I mean, this is kind of where we started and and we're going to close the loop here, but we started talking about perceptions and there's a lot of, you know, people that again are just kind of, you have these perceptions and you could be making investing decisions based on these perceptions. A lot of people are, nobody's completely rational and, and devoid of emotion. But if you're gonna try to predict all these things about the election, then about the economy, and then how the economy and those policy decisions are gonna translate to individual companies or industries, then you have to go ahead and pivot again and pick predict how people are actually going to feel and interpret that stuff so we're, we're talking not just about the election we're not just talking uh, you know, whether it's the president or the senate but then we're talking about policy and then we're talking about well how are companies going to adapt how are they really going to be affected how quickly is that change going to go ahead and be implemented and oh by the way how are people going to feel about this and how is that perception going to go ahead and factor in how they are going to buy or sell these different stock based investments. I don't know about you, Walter, but my crystal ball broke probably on the, the second turn. And now we're like four five or six layers deep. And I'm just looking here standing on glass. Yeah,
1: you've got not a very uh, stable foundation once we start prognosticating, you know, several layers and elements uh, into the future here. So you're, you're doing yeoman's work continuing to follow
0: the thread down as far as you can yeah I, I tried. I got I, I even got myself a little confused on the way down. <laughs> but, uh, but hopefully, I mean, you just you can see this again, it's it's not just about, you know if, if this or that is going to happen. It's all these other kind of derivative effects. I remember back when Obama was really kind of before Obamacare was put in force. and there was a lot of at least as I'm going from memory here. I didn't research on this before the call, but there was, a, uh, I believe, the majority of healthcare companies were lobbying against uh, Obamacare, and there was a lot of concern about, hey, this is really going to, you know, harm health insurers, and you know, they're, you're going to drive them out of business, and you're going to de facto into single payer, and that's what you really want. And then here you go, and Obamacare is is passed, and health insurers are thriving over the coming years uh, under this new regime. And so it's just because you, you think something is gonna happen, um, <laughs> just because a lot of informed people, you know, these health insurers, again, I, I'm going from memory here, but I, I tend to have a pretty good one. And I believe the majority of the lobbying dollars were going against Obamacare, but yet post Obamacare, when you look at the stock prices of these health insurers and just their financial performance, they've thrived. And so I think you just have to be humble here, all for having your political beliefs, you know, being an American, you know, voting, you know, doing what it is that is important to you and believing what it is that you believe. But you just have to be humble when it comes to investing because your political belief is could be far removed from making a very, very good investing decision. I've seen plenty of times where people have made good economic calls. There's a a gentleman, Peter Schiff was his name, and he basically predicted uh, (laughs) in It's wild that you bring that name up, I'll tell, you, I'll
1: tell you in a moment. It's just very funny, but go ahead.
0: So Peter Schiff, um, he's a uh, book author, his dad was famous. He's, he's really kind of just thinks inflation is gonna be rampant, the US dollar is kind of going to pot. I think he lives in Puerto Rico and he's domiciled there just so he can basically escape income taxes. But he also manages money uh, in, in addition to being a kind of a financial and political author. And he predicted that there was going to be this collapse in 2007, 2008, you know, the great financial crisis. He predicted it. He's dead on. Economically predicted this was going to happen. And then he what his belief was and if you go back and read this i mean it's it's very clear he's like and he actually did this with his client money but he took all the money outside of the u.s or the vast majority of it invested in international equities and then guess what happened in 2008 those companies, because of the appreciation of the US dollar, which he thought was going to pot, um, those companies, those international companies went down a lot more. They went down, you know, 50, 60%, probably about 10% or so more than US equities. So he made the right economic call. He didn't make the right investing call. And then again, part of this is about perceptions and feeling. and. It's not just about the numbers in the short term. Over the long term, the numbers are really, you know, the earnings per share, you know, what we're going to get from owning a stock really is going to matter. But in the short term, there's just so much noise and so much emotion that clouds the market that you just can't you can't predict it in the short term but uh, I'm curious why why what was what sparked that reaction when I mentioned his name Walter it
1: was just really funny because right before we recorded today while I was uh, snacking on some lunch I uh, will often open up YouTube and just kind of fall down a YouTube rabbit hole for a couple of minutes and um, just you know checking out different videos sometimes they're they're nothing sometimes they're political sometimes economics learning you know just whatever I kind of let YouTube point me in whatever direction I'm going in that day and randomly i was watching a video of peter schiff back during occupy wall street he went down with a sign that says i am the one percent let's talk and sat out there stood out there surrounded by basically a mob and he just said let's talk and he was there it was like an hour and a half video i didn't watch the whole thing but he was there for an hour and a half. Just answering questions left and right from all these people coming up, yelling at him, and he was just having trying to have a good conversation with them, and it was just really interesting to watch it through the lens with everything else that's going on in our country right now with protests and having trying to have a conversation, and um, you know just seeing some of those kind of conversations play out and talking about capitalism and the economy, you know, still kind of in that Occupy Wall Street um, certainly terminology and kind of that framework, but a lot of it applied to even the discussions that we're you know still having today. Almost a decade later, so it was just really funny. I was just watching a, a video about him, uh, literally right before we started recording today. So it was just the, the timing was was
0: good timing. Good. Yeah. So what I was doing before we started today was I don't know if you're familiar with like the prediction polls, like predictit.org check those out. No. Is it like gambling, but not gambling? That kind of? Yeah. It's gambling based on the election. So it's uh, rather than say gambling, um, it, they create a market to express <laughs> your views on who's <laughs> going to win the election. Okay. And yeah. the market, it means that you can put real dollars and cents behind it. So, you know, you see it, in this, I think over time, these, as these markets more develop, um, I, I'm not sure like how effective they were I, I think that most polls and, and methods got 2016 kind of wrong or at least within the margin of error. But uh, you're seeing a lot more people participate in these polls. I think there's like 300,000 active political market participants, but you know, they're out there betting with their own money uh, about who they think is going to win. So you know, they're informed probably more so than the average Joe or Jane that's out there. They're well aware of like the polls, probably some, you know, public polls, private polls, who knows, there's probably a lot of Washington insiders that participate in this as well because they, they have a knowledge and probably have a belief that they have a leg up. But you know, the of markets are you get a lot of smart people. And then basically wherever, you know, that opinion kind of coagulates is, is really kind of the general belief and it's kind of a large number effect. But, you know, when you get a lot of people, um, like that, believing one thing and putting their own money on it, they, they tend to be right. Certainly markets can overshoot or undershoot, but. It's it's kind of the same sort of thing when it comes to investing. Whatever the current price is of something tends to be the best estimate of its true value, just because people are out there voting with all the buys and sells that they do, and that the current price is the price. So we'll, we'll see how these develop. But you know, Biden, I think was um, you know was, was at a peak like maybe sixty three percent or so, and, and they use these in cents on the website. It's predictit.org. org, but I mean it's some, some pretty high level. Um, stuff it's um i don't know check it out i I think it's really interesting just to take a look at but you know you saw maybe about 60 days ago in july um like the the gap between biden and trump was the greatest in biden's favor and now it's narrowing and where I think today it's maybe like fifty four, fifty five uh, percent to Biden, and then the balance for Trump. Oh, in if you wanted to, Walter, I know you are a millennial, even though you're a very mature and, and an old soul, um, <laughs> you could still actually go bet on Kanye West if you want to. As oh, well. really? He is oh. in there? Yes, yes. He's uh, he's kind of at the bottom of the pack, as you may as you may see. Is he <laughs> ten thousand to one odds? I, it's at least uh, it's something like that I think uh, at least for the what it shows it's only it goes up to a hundred to one I would say um, okay. but yeah I think it was
1: Kevin Malone in the office that said if anyone ever gives you ten thousand to one odds on anything you take that bet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well all right Walter I will give you 10,001 odds well, I was just gonna say this that my hair will never grow back but who knows with medicine with that's innovation true. yeah I would totally take that I would totally take that bet I'll put a dollar
1: down on that I'd put a dollar down on all sorts of those kinds of bets and that it'll, one will pay off one of these
0: days it's so. only a dollar that's right that's right so well, that's, that's what okay. I was looking at but the, you know those are people betting real money um, the way that we actually use uh, get our inflation estimates or there's, there's different methodologies is the one that tends to be most effective. If you look at the difference between, say, like what, for a 10-year inflation, what the difference between 10-year treasury bonds and 10-year treasury inflation protected security bonds, uh, basically you kind of net the two and then you, you get what the market is pricing in what they believe inflation to be. And so when you have markets and people and markets are sufficiently developed, I would say and you have enough people participating, enough informed market participants, then you know, whatever the current price is tends to be the best estimate. So we'll see what happens come November. Um, again, this gap seems to be closing. Certainly things were, you know, a lot of these polls were wrong in 2016. Who knows what's going to happen? But again, none of this should really matter when it comes down to your investment strategy. Whoever wins the election is not going to be a direct fruit to what you should or shouldn't do in terms of investing. We have a couple hundred years of history now where it doesn't really matter who's in the White House. Um, Being an investor, particularly in the U.S., over those last couple hundred years paid off in spades, whether it was red or blue. Technically speaking, the returns were a little bit higher when a Democrat was in office, but none of that is statistically valid. Republicans would argue, well, yeah, it's because we laid the, the the groundwork before those those blue people took the office, and then um, you know, certainly Democrats would argue the other way. But the market uh, and the economy, the economy is is quite diverse and it's quite adaptable. So it's certainly a lot bigger than whoever occupies uh, the White House. And, and again, I, I know that things are politically charged right now, and people may have strong beliefs, but you should really leave them at the investing door before you sit down and think prudently on your portfolio.
1: I don't want to take you down a whole nother rabbit hole, but just maybe as a, a final thought here, uh, I was listening to you over the last half an hour, and I'm trying to think of a way to poke a hole in what you're talking about or at least play devil's advocate, and the only thing I can think of is this last election, but I may sort of answer my question in the question. And that would be, you know, isn't, it? and I realize markets and the economy, as you've covered very well in the show, are different things. But an undeniable fact that, you know, pretty much as soon as Trump was elected, the market responded immediately and we had, you know, one of the greatest run-ups in history. I think if you throw what's happened with COVID out the window, it's certainly been a good couple of years in the market. And a lot of people did say right after it started going up, this is all because of the excitement around President Trump and, and, you know, kind of the things and the changes he was going to make, the taxes that were put into place, all of these things were driving forces to seem what seems like a clear connection to that, although it is interesting that right before right you know on election night every all the markets were crashing and everyone was jumping ship because they thought it was all going to implode and it only took a few hours for all of those prognostications and predictions to get undone and head the other direction so maybe that is answering my own question there that we still don't really know what the impact would we have the same uh, economy in the same market or at least somewhere in the same ballpark right now if the election had gone a different direction i think that's a an interesting way to look at it maybe.
0: Yeah, and that's the problem. You're never gonna have the counterfactual, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you can can play the what if game, but you don't have any evidence of how it's gonna be one way or the other. So I guess what I would default to in terms of history is when you look at it, you know, again, if you look at a chart of just how the S&P 500 has grown, say over the last 100 years, it's pretty consistent up. You know, certainly there's some big temporary downturns like 2008, Uh, You know, like earlier this year uh, due to coronavirus, um, the tech bubble, 73, 74, the Great Depression. Um, But in general, the long-term trend is that the U.S. economy has grown at about 3% per year. It's been a little bit slower as we become more of a developed economy. Think about it a hundred years ago. We were more of an emerging economy, maybe like, you know, China or India to a certain degree. Uh, but we're a much more developed economy today, so that growth rate is is slowed down. But regardless of who was in office, and through all these different permutations, so like pre-industrial, industrial, um, post World War II, when you look at the trend over time, I mean it's pretty consistent, and it's consistently up and to the right, so it's growing. And again, that's irrespective of you know whether you know we were driving around cars or on the back of horses with buggy whips or you know in a Tesla for that matter. So things are going to continue to change. You know the markets are a discounting mechanism; they tend not to like uh, risk and uncertainty. I would say for sure, when Trump was coming in office, there was one heck of amount of uncertainty. I mean, there's I have a lot of uh, conservative friends that would, you know, staunchly argue that Trump Trump is not a conservative, um, uh, and you have other people that would argue that he would, and everything in between. So you know, we we all have these beliefs, but we have a couple hundred years of history just to show that it really doesn't matter who's in office. So I think that to me, that's much more robust data than saying, Hey, after Trump was elected, the market went up for a couple months, pretty strongly. You know, you just don't know, you know, that's, that's a sample size of one. You don't know exactly why that happened or, or what have you. Certainly the tax cuts, I don't think anybody can really argue that it was not a positive for, for corporations and uh, markets were particularly in the U S were quite expensive. And then surprisingly we had this tax reform and tax cuts, when we're already many, many years into an economic expansion. And uh, that definitely added some additional fuel to it because, you know, it just, again, as investors, we get earnings per share. And so those earnings were a lot higher. And it was kind of like a temporary, you know, shot in the arm because that expense was not going to federal taxes. Um, and it helped us kind of go another leg up, in my view. Now, can I empirically prove that? probably not again it's a sample size of one but i think that's pretty logical you know to say that hey just because the market went up for a couple of months you know pretty strongly after trump came in office you know I, i'm not going to deny that fact but i don't think you can say it's simply because of that reason in fact he didn't even get into taxes until you know late in 2017 i mean he tried to do um, like health care and that didn't work out so well you know when he was kind of first in there And so uh, taxes came around much later, and the market had already gone up for several months at that point.
1: Fascinating to look at all these different angles, certainly, Kevin. I thank you for walking us down this road a little bit. Uh, If you have questions for Kevin, want to talk a little bit about your own financial plan, What's coming down the pike, obviously, going to be lots of news, lots of things happening over the next couple of months, lots for people to be nervous about, (laughs) anxious about this year. Uh, But you shouldn't let that impact your financial planning and at least your preparation for your financial future. And so if you need some help getting some clarity to some of those things, never hesitate to reach out to Kevin. You can do that, 855-TWD-PLAN, that's 855-893-7526 or go online to TrueWealthDesign.com and click on the Are We Right For You button to schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the True Wealth team. That's TrueWealthDesign.com. And as usual, we'll put links to contact Kevin in the description of today's show. Kevin, thanks for the help. Uh, It wasn't so scary. We went down the politics road and came out the other side relatively clean.
0: Well, yeah, I think so. It's uh, Perception is reality though, right, Walter? It's where we started. That's where we're finished. That's right. You
1: got it. Very true. Well, thank you, sir. And we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Good luck with uh, the school ventures over the next couple of weeks. And uh, we'll, we'll get another report from you maybe in a month or so, see how things are, are shaping up uh, on the school front with the kids. But until then, we will talk to you next time right back here on Retire Smarter.